This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we chat with former Bates football and lacrosse player Sam Francis, who is working in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals, just two years out of college. Plus, the lacrosse teams both defeated Hamilton, and women's rowing started the spring season as well as you can imagine. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The number 12 nationally ranked Bates men's lacrosse team sports an overall record of 7-2 and two and a conference mark of 4-1 and one after the Bobcats defeated Hamilton 17-9 on Saturday. Junior captain Matt Lestava scored four goals and dished out four assists in the victory. On defense, junior Rob Strain made a career-high 22 saves in the cage. But our male Bobcat of the week is senior captain Rocco Fantoni. He recorded a team-high six ground balls and caused a turnover on defense. Fantoni also showed off his offensive skills, dishing out a spectacular assist to Lestava and scoring his first goal of the season. Rocco Fantoni with us here on the Bobcast. And Rocco, let's talk about the game Saturday against Hamilton. Um, the defense obviously did a really strong job. What was working out there for you guys? Obviously, Rob was huge in goal, and you and, and the rest of the defense uh, shut him down for most of the game, it seemed like. Uh, like you said, Rob was amazing in that 22 saves. That's not something that most goalies can do. But obviously, we know that Rob can do that. Um, but it also comes with our coach, uh, Coach Dean. He prepared us very well for this. Uh, he drew out all their offensive plays, what they're going to do. And just having Bowl out there, Haskell, Holland, all those guys out there, everyone on the same page, everyone talking, it really makes playing defense that much easier against a team who's that good like Hamilton. Because Hamilton's a great team. And just going out there and knowing what they're going to do really prepared us well. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about Coach Dean and what he's done this year, his first year at Bates as, a, as an assistant, working a lot with the defense. What's that impact been like? It's been a huge impact. You know, he's taken the time to establish relationships with us, meet like every day, like have special dinners for just defense with no other offensive players because, you know, we don't really like the offensive players too, too much. But just like him trying to make the, do it, make the effort just to sit down and talk with us one-on-one -on -one or as a group, see what's working, what's not working. And then just outside of lacrosse, just be able to sit down at dinner, lunch, breakfast, just to talk with each other you know it, it really plays a big role in how we uh, play defense well and you mentioned you know the offensive guys and and um, you guys have to, have to go up against them in practice every day what's that been like obviously it's not fun because you know our our offense is very good in scoring a lot of goals but you know that's what makes us better you know playing against some of the best players in the country with curtis with matt with malali all those guys like that that that's what really makes us better because they, they know exactly what to do, how to break down a defense, when to score, when to possess the ball, and they move the ball so fast. So playing against them really helps us out. So you were able to score your first goal of the season and dish out your first assist of the season on Saturday. Take us through both those plays. So with the assists, because that happened uh, first, I knew it was a short time, and I, I saw like, one kid shoot the ball, but I knew Rob was going to save it. So I just started breaking up right away. And me and Rob have that connection already, so he knows that I'm already up the field. So he threw me the ball, and I knew there was like five seconds left, and I saw like a little window, and I knew, and I saw Matt like open for like half a second, but I knew if I get that ball perfectly to Matt, he's gonna make an unbelievable play, and that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. He caught the ball and somehow 
did exactly what Matt does and the scores and on a ridiculous shot that no one knows how it goes in, but yeah, it did. The goal, I was like, okay, I already took, I had took the first shot of the game, missed, and I was pretty, I was pretty uh, upset about that. I should have definitely scored the first goal, so I had to, I had to at least try again. And Cooney brought it down, uh, drew a bunch, like two players on Hamilton, and I was able to get some, some space to set my feet up and shoot and just close my eyes and hopefully it went in and. I'm happy it did. <laughs> for those who maybe don't necessarily know the details about lacrosse and how it works, you know, for defensive players, when do those offensive opportunities happen? Because they're sort of rare, but they do happen. It happens when either, you know, your goalie makes a save and you break up the field. That's where, where our transition comes in. You know, we want anyone with a stick can literally play offense because you rather have six players in with a, with a long pole or a defender rather than a five on five you want that advantage so anyone because we all know we can catch and throw so either getting up the field off a clear or you know making a turnover like what Haskell and Arthur Church will do like they went out there they they uh, caused a lot of turnovers and they were able to push transition and that's like where a defender usually is able to uh, play some offense which is nice and it's tough to shoot that long stick right I mean well, yeah, for me, it hasn't been that great. I've only scored no, three goals on like 30 shots, so I, 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 I can't say too much about that. But I know some, it, it is a little bit different, but I know that some, most goalies say it's harder to save a long pull shot because they have no idea where it's going. Right. And especially for me, I have no idea where it's going, so maybe it works out a little bit of my advantage those three times. Excellent. And well, we, before we went on the air here for the interview, you mentioned you have a presentation today. You're, you're an econ major. You're done with the econ major, though. So what classes are you taking right now to kind of, you know, widen your knowledge, I suppose, right? Yeah, so I'm taking two religion classes right now. I'm taking an anthropology class and a French film class. So my first presentation was on was in my French film class about uh, some, some film about uh, a guy who, like, was a con artist and lied to his family about him actually having a job so we had to break down that so it's really interesting seeing like Bates through other classes rather than just my econ major yeah. so I get to experience you know like what because I've never thought I would ever take a French film class in my life but sure. taking that class is like okay it's very interesting because like taking like macro metrics you know that's not fun <laughs> that, that is never fun but Watching movies and yeah. like being able to like break it down creatively and using your imagination, try to make connections is really awesome. I know I've spoken to some of the seniors, you know, just some other econ majors who are going right to you know New York and working in finance. What are your thoughts on what post college options you possibly could have? Uh, yeah, so I'm definitely looking in the Boston area, especially mm -hmm. New York. You know, I'm, I'm obviously keeping my eyes and ears open for anything. A, sure. a job's a job, so I'll definitely take take one when it gets to me. But uh, all of us, you know, we're all trying to get like all the seniors are trying to get their jobs yeah. in right away like right now it's getting down to the wire but i know a few of us have like a lot of interviews left so it's very it's very stressful but it's also very exciting for sure well this week you're at bowden right midweek game if i'm not mistaken this is a this is an intense rivalry i remember last year's game was really close the previous year's game was really close what what does bowden bring to the table what do you guys have to do to beat them well, Bowdoin's just a very well-coached team. They have a great offense, great face-off guy, great defense, and especially when it, when it's a bates Bowden game, it's just going to be a bloodbath. Everyone is going to bring 110% energy. It's just going to be whoever works harder, whoever gets that one extra ground ball, whoever makes that one extra play, like, like what our coach says, do a lot of small things, not a lot, not a few, but a lot of big things. Mm -hmm. So whoever does a lot of the small things 
in that game. Whoever works the hardest will, will come out the victor. All right, Rocco Fantoni, male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The number 21 nationally ranked Bates women's lacrosse team sports an overall record of 7-3 and three and a conference mark of 3-2 and two after the Bobcats defeated Hamilton on the road by a final score of 10-8 to eight on Saturday. Sophomore Margaret Smith led the way on offense, scoring a game-high four goals and dishing out two assists. Smith is tops on the team in goals scored and assists so far this season. Her 38 points lead the entire NESCAC through 10 games. And Margaret Smith is our female Bobcat of the Week. Female Bobcat of the Week, Margaret Smith with us here on the Bobcast. And Margaret, a little bit about your background. You're a sophomore now. When did you start playing lacrosse growing up? And what eventually led you to decide you wanted to play in college and at Bates? I've been playing lacrosse since I was pretty little, doing clinics and stuff. Um, maybe starting in around second grade and doing travel um, all through the years. I came to Bates. I was drawn to it because my brother went here and he just graduated last year and also was playing lacrosse and I knew that I wanted to um, play Division Three, and Bates just seemed like a great option so I contacted Brett and it all worked out. Did you talk much to your brother about his experience at Bates? Yes, I talked to him all the time and we had one year here together which mm-hmm. was really fun and he has nothing to say but good things. And then so Brett Allen, obviously the head coach here, what have you learned from him you know, to help you develop your game over these past two seasons? Brett has taught me so much over the past two years um, he's so nice along with being really constructive and just helping us all when we need it and bringing good team spirit um, along with being serious obviously you got some playing time last season but this year really you know you're emerging as one of the of the top goal scorers on the team and whatnot what's that been like to have such a big role this season I think a lot of people in my grade didn't have as much confidence last year, but really gained confidence throughout the preseason in the fall and winter, and we've all kind of stepped up um, a lot more than we did last year into new roles, and it's just really fun to be playing with the upperclassmen because they're such good role models and leaders on the field. You know, to start the year, you had that big win at Middlebury. There were a couple setbacks there with Babson and, and Wesley, and how the team able to you know, kind of you know, bounce back from that because you knew you had the talent to beat anyone after that Middlebury win. Yeah, I think we were just um, trying to figure out what went wrong in the couple losses at the beginning and fix them. And I think that working on those points where we struggled has really come together and we've corrected them all, so we've started winning again. From an academic perspective, what are you studying here at Bates? Um, I study economics. What prompted you to decide you wanted to do that, I guess? Well, I just took the intro classes last year Mm -hmm. and they interest me, so I kept going with it and it's been a good option. Terrific. And then working there on the attack with people like Katie Allard and Sydney Howard as well, some seniors. What have you learned from them, maybe? Yeah, the seniors have been such good leaders, and they have so much experience out there um, from the past few years. They're really good role models, and they're always giving us good advice and keeping the confidence and the spirit up at practice and in the games, and they're always keeping everyone focused. This past Saturday, a win at Hamilton. That's a long road trip, right? So what was that trip like, and what allowed the team to come away with the win? Yeah, it was a long road trip. There's a lot of bonding that goes on Mm -hmm. on the bus, and we made it through. It wasn't so bad, and it made it a lot more fun on the way back to have a win. Fairly tight game, it seemed like, throughout. Kind of a defensive struggle, is that fair to say? I thought the defense was doing a good job Mm -hmm. on both teams, and there was a lot of sloppiness and transition for both teams, and we were just both working really hard to get the ball back, and both teams were having good cause turnovers, and our shots just started falling more in the second half. Right, because at the beginning of the game, I think no, neither team scored for like 16 minutes or something. What was that like? Yeah, the first 15 minutes was just back and forth. Yeah. I think there were four pipes hit, um, mm. two by each team in the first half. And then um, things started picking up near the end of the first half. 
So this week, hosting Bowdoin, midweek game, right? Um, what, what's going to be key to facing the Polar Bears here this week? I think? Um, I think we just need to be really focused in practice today and tomorrow and come out ready to play for a nighttime game, which might be a little colder or just a different environment than we've had our past NESCAC games on Saturday afternoons. What's it like playing on Garcelon, though? That must be nice. Yeah, I love playing on Garcelon. Um, it's nice to not have to get on the bus and to just be focused on home field. All right, Margaret Smith, female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Junior Julia Panapento hit two home runs, including a grand slam and a doubleheader split for the Bates softball team Thursday at the University of New England. Bates dropped three games to perennial power toughs over the weekend in NESCAC action, but the Bobcats get a chance to bounce back right away with a pair of non-conference contests Wednesday at St. Joseph's and three more NESCAC games this weekend against Colby. Bates is scheduled to host the Mules in a doubleheader Saturday starting at noon. In baseball... The Bobcats dropped the first two games of their three-game set at Tufts before bouncing back to win the series finale 6-5. The Bobcats jumped out to a 6-1 lead and held on from there to defeat the Jumbos. Senior captain Alex Simon got the final five outs of the game to earn his first save of the season, and he joined the Bobcast to chat Bobcat baseball. Last year, you were kind of the setup man of Jake Shapiro. This year, it looks like you might have that closer role. So what's that like, you know, as a senior to get that role? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, it's definitely the spot I want to be in. Um, the combination of, of Miles and I in the back end, we're still kind of figuring out, you know, who goes the eighth, who goes the ninth type thing. But, uh, you know, I think we've got a lot of options just throughout our whole, our whole bullpen that any guy really that, that gets put in that spot, I think will, will step up. Obviously, that Tusk game was a nail-biter. Uh, what was your mentality going in? What did you see out there on the mound? Uh, well, I came in in the, in the in the bottom of the eighth with guys on first and second, and I knew, um, you know, we needed a ground ball to get out of the inning. I think it was a one 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 changeup that came in on his hands. He just taps it over the shortstop. Carter came in. It was a slow hit ball, and he him and Chi made a good turn at second and got it over to first. So, um, and then going back out to the ninth, you know, I was facing the the heart of their order two three four, um, and I was just looking to get soft contact, trying to keep the ball in the infield. So you have an interesting background, kind of. You came in to Bates as a position player and then moved to pitcher as a sophomore. How did that transition come about? So actually 10 days before I moved into college freshman year, I had Tommy John surgery mm -hmm. on my elbow. Um, so I went through ASOP with the cast on my arm and all that stuff. And all fall, I was kind of rehabbing. I knew by February 15th I wasn't going to be in a position to throw off a mound. Um, so I kind of had this mentality of coming – to rehab for six months, to be able to play middle infield and contribute as a freshman that way. Um, but, you know, I had guys like Brennan Fox, uh, Ashton McDonald ahead of me. Um, so it was a little tough, but, but I, I, you know, I got some at-bats that year. And then going into the summer, once, once Coach Leonard left, um, I kind of realized if I, if I wanted to have a chance to contribute to the team, I needed to pitch. So um, I rehabbed my arm back. Uh, I came back in the fall and I felt good. And then my sophomore spring was really the time where I think I kind of turned it around and figured it back out. So you did come into Bates thinking you'd be a pitcher at some point, I imagine, right? Just but the surgery obviously prevented that initially. Yeah, I came yeah. in thinking you know I'd be a two-way player. Mm -hmm. I always kind of knew I liked pitching more. I had more of a pitching mind than a hitting mind. Um, I just wasn't as talented as a, as a hitter, and that's kind of what it comes down to in college baseball. But I could get guys out on the mound, so. That's the way it worked out. So what's your repertoire out there on the mound? What pitches are you throwing out there? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the hardest thrower, so I, I rely a lot on my movement. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm like a two-seam sinker slider guy uh, with a good changeup. My changeup is probably my out pitch. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, you know, I, I really try and just look for soft contact and let my, let my ball move 
um, as opposed to just trying to blow it by everyone. Seems like last season you really got into a nice role with the team out of that bullpen. What was it like setting up a guy like Jake Shapiro and what when bullpen you you Miles and Jake it was such a great combo last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it was awesome just having Jake ahead of me being, you know, the senior captain. I looked up to him a lot and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way he prepped for games. I mean, he was always a guy that we could look up to uh, just in terms of how we would get to his role. I mean, yeah. he, he, he definitely earned that. And, um, you know, so it was cool just being in the bullpen, like in the seventh inning, warming up with Jake right next to me. And, you know, he's, he's talking me up and helping me feel confident to get out there. And then I get out there and there's like no one else I'd rather give the ball to than this guy. So it, it was awesome setting up for him and, um, you know, we all had confidence in, in each other. We'd all go down there in, like, the sixth inning, and we'd say, like, you know, all right, time to get to work. And yeah. we knew that we were going to close out this game in that order. So that was awesome. And now you're the senior captain. So what's that experience been like so <laughs> yeah. far? Well, it's cool. You know, now I'm kind of – I'm thinking of Jake last year and yeah. thinking about how he handled things and um, how he handled the younger pitchers. And, you know, we have a guy, uh, freshman Jared Pantaloni, who's gotten some good innings for us. And um, – you know, we just want to make sure that our bullpen guys feel confident when they go out there and that it's, you know, it's not, you know, last year with Jake, it was kind of, we threw him out there and game's over. But yeah. now, you know, we got to work together a little more because we don't have that big lefty that throws 88. So, um, you know, I, I think we got a good unit in the pen and um, a lot of confidence in our guys in the back end. And, you know, you can, I think we can put a bunch of guys out there and have success. You got a game today. We're talking on Tuesday. You got a this afternoon at, at Husson. Uh, obviously, these non-conference games are important to prepare for a big weekend series against Trinity. Right? Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, today's kind of like a tune-up game. Yeah. Uh, we'll throw a bunch of pitchers, get, get uh, you know, some, some position guys, some reps. Um, but it's definitely important to, to get out on a field. You know, it, it's just it's tough being stuck in the gray cage or even out on JB mm-hmm. turf. can get very monotonous and – uh, we need we need to see live pitching and our pitchers need to throw. So you know this is this is big for us. And I know trendy coming up. I mean they're probably looking for some revenge after last season, right? Definitely. I mean that that those that that series last year and everyone on our team will say this was just the most emotional weekend we've ever had on a baseball field. That was just pure emotion that 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 won that series. Um, so no, they're they're definitely good. Um, they're going to come in. They just swept Bowden this past weekend, so you know we got to be ready to go. But. Um, you know, I think our, after the series against Tufts, I think our team realizes we can, you know, we can com- definitely compete with anyone in the NESCAC. Yeah. And you can go 0-3 really quickly or you can go 3-0 and really quickly. So um, it's just it's little things that it comes down to always in the game, and it sucks to look back on some things in, like, the fourth or fifth inning. You're mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if that run scored or if this ball was an inch to the right, you know, it's a totally different game, totally different series, totally different postseason yeah. at that point. So, um, yeah, we're, but we're ready to go. All right, Alex Simon, thanks so much. Thanks a lot. The rowing teams opened their spring season Saturday on the Charles River Basin. While the men trailed some tough opponents, including the Harvard Lightweights and Boston College, the women dominated, with the first, second, and third varsity eights all taking first place. The 1V finished eight seconds ahead of the runner-up MIT Lightweights, a Division I program. Meanwhile, the 2V outraced MIT by 20 seconds and the 3V easily won their one-on-one race with NESCAC foe Trinity. Junior first varsity eight stroke Hannah Fitz looks back on the first regatta of the spring season. Women's rowing, great start to the season down there in the Charles River Basin. Hannah Fitz with us here on the Bobcast. And Hannah, you're at the stroke position. First time in your collegiate career rowing at the stroke position. What was the experience like? What were some differences from you know other spots in the boat perhaps? <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, really exciting. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, it is it is 
fun to to move around the boat. I've been in, I think, almost every seat now. Not the coxswain seat. I don't fit there. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really exciting. Um, we also starboard stroked our boat last year, so I don't think it was too different for anyone in the boat um, because most of us had experienced um, a starboard stroked boat last year, which just means that instead of the the normal side, uh, which is port side being stroke, um, changed to the starboard side. Um, and uh, the the girl who's in seven seat, uh, Sophia Rintel, mm-hmm. and I have been a partner, um, a pair for almost our my entire career at Bates. So it feels really natural to be rowing with her. Um, and you know, other than the fact that I don't have anyone sitting in front of me and I'm not watching anyone's back um, anymore. Um, I, it really was not that different other than that because um, a lot of what I felt like the stroking job came from is the power behind me and the rest of the boat. I ran up to my parents after the race and I was like, oh, that was so much fun because like I could just feel the power behind me and, and it just it was a really lively boat. And so they kind of did all the stroking work for me except for me just sitting there and, you know, getting to getting to look our our cox and liza Folsom in the face which is fun (laughs) (laughs) for sure and you're up against some tough competition you know the mit lightweights you know their division one program what was it like to um you know beat them after you know falling a little bit short last season (laughs) yeah yeah it was really exciting we were excited to go up against them after having lost to them by a couple seconds last year um and we were ready to just kind of take this season we are ready to just take this season by storm um, we had no expectations, no idea where we were going to fall coming into this race. And I mean, the whole race plan, stroke rating and, and execution is just to do what we always do and stay calm and just um, kind of see where where everything fell into place. Um, and it it ended up falling into place that we we were kind of neck and neck with MIT lights for um for the first half of the race we were maybe a seat or two ahead and then we took our middle move uh, coming under the bridge which is always really exciting at this race on the charles um we always have a big middle move it's not a surprise to um anyone who's raced at Bates or who anyone who's raced against Bates that we're good in the halfway mark and um but what's really exciting about this race on the charles is that there's a bridge at halfway so we take you know uh, some powerful strokes coming through the the halfway the the 1k mark and you go under the bridge kind of not you know knowing where you were before in the first half of the race and then we came out of the bridge just flying um and you know Folsom had said that we took six seats on them in the in that middle move and coming out of the bridge we were just up ahead of them and and then uh, we're able to open up water on them which was a really good feeling for the start of the season but again um hard to compare since they aren't in our division um so but it was just fun for sure and then um did you get a chance to watch the 2v or the 3v race how did that go um unfortunately we don't get to watch mm. um each other race on on race days most of the time because mm. um the races are pretty close together yeah. so um and we were trying to take advantages of take advantage of just being on the water so the warm-up the cool down and then we got a little practice afterwards um we were really focusing in on our own boats um uh, but we did get to celebrate um, with everyone back at the at the food tent afterwards, um, and you know the the two V and three V crushed it. Looking back at the pictures, they look like they rode well, so that's always exciting to see. So after the races, you had a practice. Yes, we did, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I think all of us were ready to practice yeah. even more than we did, but um, 
but you know, we have to have some chill, um, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we had a really early morning cause the, the men's races started even before us. Um, and then we had a nice long break, um, at the food tent with the parents and, um, hanging out for a while. And then, uh, we got back on the water cause the Charles is open water. And I mean, that's gold to us. That's all we want. We've been in the air room for a while and we know that the river is still very frozen. I mean, even the puddle here is still frozen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so other than rowing in the pool, getting our pool size work done and, and doing work in the erg room, I mean, we're just, we're dying for open water. So we're going to take any chance we can get. Um, and I think same for this upcoming weekend for the, for being on the Charles again, we'll get a, at least one practice in. It seems like this team just thrives when all you have is the erg room though. I mean, that seems to be the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely true. We do love the erg room and I think erging builds a lot of character, builds soul. This team if anything, is gritty. Um, and I think the Erg Room really builds that character. I mean, we're in there alone all winter, um, led by our captains. And I mean, they fearlessly lead us through a lot of sweat. And um, and then we continue to be in spring season in yeah. the Erg Room. And, um, you know, we have some really tough workouts. And so morale is is sometimes hard to to find at this time of the year. But I think that or maybe for other teams it would be, but I think that for us, we, we just like, we expect to be in the air room and we expect to work. And we know that like the, the workouts that we do in there are what we'd be doing on the water. And the only difference is that we have mirrors surrounding us and, um, and not water under running underneath us. But we all, we do a lot of the work that a lot of the work that we're doing right now is in time. So we're kind of imagining that we have the 23 ergs in there are all one boat. Um, our coxswains and coaches are constantly telling us, you know, one boat, stay in time. Um, they'll turn our screens down if we're not in time. So um, we are really in that boat mentality now. And so I think that really changes the focus and, and breaks up the, the winter and spring seasons into two separate things. Although we stay in that room for a while, um, we are we are now in that one one boat, one team mentality, um, whereas the winter is a little more individual. So spirits are still high. Yeah, um, yeah you know, it, it, it gets tough, but we we love to, to sweat all together. And that room is really what builds us. So. For sure. And then for you, especially you were abroad in the fall. So this has been a long time coming for you to get back on the water with the team. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's it's a total homecoming. I'm yeah. so happy to be back with the team. Feels like being back home, back with family. Um, and yeah, I missed that room more than anything, I think. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I was able to row abroad, which was exciting, but there's nothing like the Bates team. Yeah. I, I mean, this, our, we just, it, our coaches are extremely smart. It just, racing feels so fun because we can trust everyone because we are all, we all have the same mentality. Um, we all have the same goals going into races. Um, and and we have a, an insanely strong group of men and women who just want to work together. And so um, coming back to that really does feel like I'm home. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And what do you have upcoming this weekend? What's who, Who's up next? Um, so we're racing Harvard Lightweights and then BU Lightweights. Mm. Um, this weekend we're down at the Charles for a doubleheader this weekend. That's for the women. Unfortunately, yeah. the, the men and the women are separated this weekend. The men mm. are off. Um, racing in Worcester, but we'll be back on the Charles. Um, and it's really exciting because 
Uh, we've raced Harvard Lightweights before, and that's always good competition. We've kind of gone back and forth the past couple years. Um, but BU Lightweights, I don't think we've ever raced before. Mm. Um, and they're a really strong program. Uh, they went really fast last weekend um, on the same course that we did um, just an, an hour or two before us, or I don't even know how long before us, but not long. So comparing times, they went faster, um, definitely faster than we did. But we've also been on the water those two times yeah. since Florida, <laughs> right. um, which happened on Saturday. And I think that, um, as Code pointed out, you know, one one more stroke on the water is is many more seconds to be to be gained from for speed for our boats. Um, and I think that they the, these lightweights have have some a storm coming from yeah. from Maine because you know we just keep getting faster when we get on the water and and we're also just. Like there are no expectations when we race people from other divisions, um, which I think is the best part of it. We can just kind of let go of any stress or pressure um, that we may feel when it's in um, in like a in division competition, yeah. um, and we just get to go out there and you know play with the big dogs who happen to be small this weekend. But. <laughs> <laughs> right, Hannah Fitz, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Sam Francis graduated from Bates in 2017 after playing for both the football and men's lacrosse teams during his time as a Bobcat. The former Bates linebacker was recently featured on the Cincinnati Bengals website for his work in their front office as a football data analyst. Francis is a football guy and a numbers guy, and we chatted with him on the phone about his new gig in the National Football League. Sam, first of all, congratulations on the gig. And I'm just curious, how did it all come about? How did you get connected with the Bengals? Oh, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that. Um, so it kind of all started. I went right after I graduated and went and worked for the Bills, um, actually through a connection of Clark Jones's father. So I was there for uh, three or four months and then went and worked uh, on the business side, business analytics side of uh, sports for the craft analytics group for about a year and a half, um, kind of realized I wanted to be back on the football side. Like I was in Buffalo, did some research online, knowing that the season was wrapping up and that's probably when NFL jobs would become available and found this one in, in Cincinnati and sent an application in. Excellent. So how long have you been now with the Bengals and what's your favorite part of the new role here? It's been about two weeks. It's, I'm still pretty new to everything. I'm um, catching up with what they already have in place um, and sort of spearheading where we're going to go in the, this coming season and in the coming years, especially with the new coaching staff, when you're building out these analytical product or technology products that they're going to use, it needs to be catered towards who's consuming it, right? Because you have coaches of different ages and different sophistication levels with technology. So I'm sort of starting to gauge those and talk with coaches and figure out what information they need, how they're going to consume it, and uh, starting to design the products we're going to create off of that. Wow, so two weeks. What was that transition like? Had you ever been to Cincinnati before to begin with? <laughs> I uh, I flew in. I flew in for my interview, and that was uh, that was the first time I had been here. I didn't realize that it was uh, right next to Kentucky. When I landed in the airport and found out I was in Kentucky, I was a little concerned. <laughs> That's right. Um, what's the adjustment been like? I mean, what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make in terms of are you just, are, are you studying a lot about their roster? Or is that not really what your role is, perhaps? Um, no, it's definitely definitely part of it. Um, yeah. My job at its core is to take all the information they have from a data perspective, right? So now that they have next-gen stats, we're subscribed to Pro Football Focus. There's the data that the, the NFL provides, or the, the data that the clubs track on their own, and everything we sort of bring in and aggregate together. How can we utilize each of those sources and combine those sources to 
increase efficiency and just bring insights to the surface, right? So instead of spending time each week gathering information in order to make decisions, you can, that information will, will come to the surface automatically and you can just spend all your time making decisions and game planning. Um, part of that becomes player personnel and sort of player identification stuff, which we haven't gotten into yet because most of free agency and most, the vast majority of draft prep is already done. So I see mm -hmm. that stuff coming, starting to do more of that stuff coming in about a year from now um, when we start that process all over again at the end of the, at the, end of the season. Um, but for now, it's mostly how can I create these products so we have a fully functioning system come the start of the season. What was it like just a weekend to have an in-depth article written about you and your team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was nice. It's good to know that they're, uh, that they're bought into this because this, uh, you know, this is sort of a new, a, new, a new field and a new direction that the, that the NFL is going. And to know that, um, that the organization is behind it enough to, to publish an article about it is big. And have you interacted at all with, um, you know, Zach Taylor yet, and, you know, the new head coach there? Yeah, so the coaching staff's been, been sort of all over the place um, the past couple of weeks, but uh, I have had a couple of conversations with him, and I interviewed with him when, uh, when, I, when I flew in uh, about a month ago. Um, but now he's a great guy. He's open to, open to a lot of ideas, very smart, very, you know, incorporates everyone and, and appreciates everyone's insights, and I'm, I'm excited to work with him. He seems, he seems like a great coach. How did your time at Bates maybe prepare you for your, you know, your role working in, in the game of football? Yeah, it starts, it starts with, uh, with Coach Harriman and sort of how he, how he taught the game and how he taught preparation. And that kind of you – know, that, that plays in a lot to the role I'm in now where my job is to take the other skills I acquired in, in school and math and economics and apply those to how we prepare for football, right? So playing off of how, of how Coach Harriman taught me to prepare and also Coach Zanya, but, uh, but that's definitely, definitely helped me be ready for this position and then also just um just being able to take on a large workload right with double majoring at Bates and playing two sports there wasn't a lot of free time and especially <laughs> when you're working in sports you I don't know you're already I'm already callous to those to those long nights and long hours so so I'm definitely prepared in that sense yeah you know just talk a little bit maybe more about your double major and uh it did apply to you know what you were doing you know after you graduated and whatnot I double majored in math and econ so it's a lot of quantitative fields right so that's kind of how my brain's always worked I've never been been a literary type where I write these creative articles and stuff <laughs> like that it's been more I'm very black and white um there's a process the way things are done and um, sort of can we quantify stuff down to a given number in order to gain insights in, in whatever it may be that we're looking at, right? So that's sort of how I got my start, not really, not really understanding what I was getting into when I went to Buffalo and just being an analytics intern, right? Very broad, um, very broad title. And I got lucky that I ended up with Coach McDermott coming in and Rex Ryan leaving right when I was arriving in Buffalo mm -hmm. that I got placed in uh, placed working on the or football side of analytics, right? And that sort of opened my eyes to here's how the skills I learned in school and in my math classes and in my econ classes and these um, computer programs can apply to, I can use them to apply to football and sort of combine, combine the two things I worked on while I was at school. Excellent. And then um, obviously it's the off season right now, how will your role change, if at all, once the season actually gets started? Uh, everything picks up in the next couple of weeks with yeah. um, players, players report for their first OTA or minicamp next week and then the draft comes and then all the off season with training camp and OTAs and mini camps really picks up all throughout the summer and things really get going. Um, 
in season. Uh, I haven't, we haven't really ironed out what my role is going to be in game day and sort of stuff like that, but um, it'll definitely get busier with coaches. Coaches have questions midweek. What's, what's their tendency in this situation? What is so-and-so player doing when they're lined up in this? All that stuff. Like those are sort of, that's kind of how we're going to build our product, right? We start with a, we start with a base level product and we present that to the coaches and they use it for um, week one, right? Or week one of the preseason. Right, and yeah. as we're game planning, right, follow-up questions come. They're looking at a certain certain dashboard that we made, and they're like, hey, that's interesting. Well, what about this? Here's a follow-up question of that, and that sort of iterates on our product and allows us to fine-tune it in order to fit exactly what they need, right? So it'll definitely be busy throughout the season, and my job is basically to be a resource for them in order to answer answer all the questions that they have and provide information that they may not have been able to get to efficiently before. And the article on the website touches on this, but, you know, there's a stereotype, you know, numbers guys and football guys, but you're both. How, how does that help you maybe with, with your job and whatnot? Yeah, and that's, that's something that, I mean, I probably didn't fully understand it until I kind of came into interview here, but it's a rare combination of skills, right, to have the, the technical skills and the computer programs that I use, but also have that football background where you can survive and a football environment, right? A lot of the applicants that they said that they got were either people with a semi-analytical background who played football or people without a football background who were very technically advanced, right? And to find a combination and a happy medium of those two was, was very rare. And that's something that they, that they made clear to me when I, when I came in and started. And that's not something that I realized was that rare probably until that moment. Excellent. Last question for you. You're in Cincinnati now. So have you tried any of the chili they have down there? I haven't. No, I'm actually uh, I'm running the Boston Marathon in two weeks. So uh, oh. <laughs> after, after I after I run the marathon, then it'll be chili time. Yeah, it's a very good idea not to have any of that before running a marathon. I would, I would definitely yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 on the checklist. I'll get to it. Sounds good. All right, Sam Francis, Bates alum, class of 2017, football and men's lacrosse. Now a football data analyst with the Cincinnati Bengals. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate your time. While the men's tennis team dropped a pair of close matches at MIT and Babson over the weekend, the Bobcats returned to NESCAC action this Thursday, looking to improve their conference record to 2-0 when they host Colby at 4 p.m. The women's tennis team is also home this week. The Bobcats host Tufts Saturday at 10 a.m. Softball, baseball, and women's lacrosse are all home this Saturday, and you can find the complete schedule at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) 